In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. Hip-hop is a product of black people. It's a product of black song and celebration. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution presents... Hip-hop's most pulled elements are pulled from the South. A Southern hip-hop story. We always go back to that moment of the Source Awards. Everybody wants your rhythm, but they don't want your blues. The biggest names in hip-hop. Atlanta is still the mecca for hip-hop. 50 years. No one can deny... One film. The power of the South now. The South got something to say. Streaming now at AJC.com slash hip-hop. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Politically Georgia podcast, where we bring you news and analysis from all the latest Georgia shenanigans in Congress and under the Gold Dome. And today we're joined by Tamar Hallerman, AJC Enterprise reporter, to talk about the very latest in how Georgia is responding to the coronavirus crisis. Tamar, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me back. Yeah, well, first of all, how are you doing? Going a little stir-crazy at home, but... I've been spending a ton of time outside, getting back in shape, running every day, which has been my saving grace. How about you? Me too. Um, I'm going stir crazy. I'm, this is hell on extroverts, and it's weird still seeing, you know, every day I do my, my, my daily planner, and I used to have a chock full of stuff to go to and people to meet and things to do, and now it's like wide open or conference call at, you know, one or, or this and that, but... Um, I want to start off because I, I just finished a, a, a like a five mile jog on the Chattahoochee. You had a really interesting story, and what I noticed during this jog was um, the parking lot was closed. There's there's cones out. There's barriers. They're not letting people get anywhere, drive at least anywhere near uh, the entrance to the the park where I just ran. But it was still crammed with people, um, even on a even on a weekday kind of mid morning. Um, you had a really interesting story about the the debate about whether or not to close parks and, and green space and things that seem to be one of the only avenues of, of respite we can get right now exactly. from, from being stuck in our houses. Exactly. It was it was about kind of the tough decisions that elected officials are facing about whether to close these parks or not. Um, because it, it truly is one of the last respites that a lot of these cabin fevered folks who are working from home, um, trying to homeschool their kids from their dining room tables, the, the one last bit of normalcy that a lot of us have outside the home. But at the same time, you look at pictures from places like the Beltline last weekend when it was beautiful out or places like the Chattahoochee River that are super popular. Um, and there were some spots where it was impossible to keep a safe safe distance from one another, six to 10 feet. And there's a real question about whether these officials need to close parks and trails in order to prevent the transmission of, of COVID-19. And I talked to a bunch of officials who, um, who've who been making those choices. I, I, um, I interviewed the mayor of Chattahoochee Hills, which is a small city of about 3,000 people in Southwest Fulton County. And he mentioned how the big park in his city, Cochrane Mill, was swarming with people last weekend. He 
compared it to July 4th crowds and how he was forced to close it because he just felt that that people were coming in from other parts of Metro Atlanta where parks had already closed and making it unsafe for everybody else. I've also talked to folks who've made the decision so far they don't want to close parks, like folks from the mayor's office, um, the uh, Department of Natural Resources state parks around the state, which have said, you know, we're open, we've put protocols in place so that people will be six feet apart. And um, we realize that people really need this right now. So it's something that's changing every day. And I think we're going to see even more changes this weekend because it's going to be beautiful outside. And lots of people, myself included, are going to be really lured to go out there. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> and, and the thing is, you know, all, all these health officials are saying, get outside, don't, don't stay inside, see the sunshine, get exercise, get mobile, all that. But at the same time, when, when the, the main places we flock to are being restricted, it's tough. I know my park, the, 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 we have a giant park about two miles from where I live, where I'm at, you know, four or five times a week. Um, I've still been going to four or five times a week. It's not as crowded as it usually is, but, it, but it's, it's, it's about to get a lot more crowded. And even if they end up closing down that park, my street is full of kids and people and neighbors. And it's really kind of neat to see, you know, um, my, my, my neighborhood's very, very social anyway, but it's even more social right now. Everyone's keeping social distancing, but everyone also wants to get around. And my kids, my nine-year-old suddenly re- rediscovered her bike. So she's, she's out and about. Um, but if they end up closing those parks, people are still going to get out. It just might be in the middle of a, you know, a, a, a kind of a busier street um, than it might be in a, in a more... Um, you know, closed up more remote green space. Exactly. And you're hearing from officials right now, stick to your neighborhood parks, stick to your neighborhood streets, spread out. Maybe don't go to destination parks like Piedmont Park or places like the Beltline. Try and find other spots throughout the state or just around Metro Atlanta that might not be as, as well visited. But but that could change. You read reports about places across Europe, especially, or some of my family in Israel, and they're not even really allowed to leave their neighborhood or their yards. And so I think there's a fear among a lot of people, myself included, that um, park space might get taken away. And that's going to be so hard for, you know, my mental health, for I think the mental health of a lot of people in this region as this continues to just kind of take over everyday life. And that underscores something we've been covering relentlessly at the AJC, which is this virus is not going anywhere anytime soon. Um, we, you know, health experts, politicians, officials, whoever can't stress that enough, um, even though we have been, you know, uh, under this sort of stay-at-home order, or I don't know if it's an order. <laughs> it depends on where you live, but we'll talk a little bit more about that. But even though we're being encouraged to stay at home um, for the, you know, for the short-term future, um, public health experts say that we're not anywhere close to flattening the curve yet, uh, and that we've seen the number of cases in Georgia continue to rise. Um, more than 1,600 confirmed cases, and I'm saying more than because the numbers change by the you know twice a day. They 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 they, they tend to jump. Um, more than 50 deaths uh, in Georgia, and um, at the time of this taping, about 3.4 percent of Georgians who have tested positive have died. That's a greater proportion than any state except for Washington, Louisiana, and Louisiana has become one of the fastest growing hotspots for coronavirus in the in the world, which shows you how quickly that's taking root in parts of the U.S. So um, we're, we're in a precarious spot here. At the same time, there is a giant, 
I wouldn't say, I don't know if debate's the word, but there's a tension um, with the need to, from some officials who want to start reopening parts of the economy. They, they worry that the, the cure is worse than the disease. Exactly. And, and that's something we've heard from the tippy top. President Trump in, in Washington and a lot of his daily briefings has mentioned that. And you're hearing that echoed across a lot of um, you know, officials on the right. You're seeing it also on Fox News from a lot of their star commentators who are agitating for, for Trump to start reopening portions of the economy, especially in places that are not as hard hit. Um, and But that goes against a lot of the advice of, of public health officials who say, look, cases are still going up. And until we get more testing that's more easily accessible and faster to process the results, we're not going to know just how bad this is. Um, one interesting tidbit from a, a story that our colleague Alan Judd did on, on Thursday night, um, he was quoting a professor of epidemiology from Emory who mentioned that um, you know the deaths that we're seeing today are from infections that might have happened up to a month ago. And so mm-hmm. you know the, the variation in death rates between states, and as you mentioned, Georgia's is, is extremely high compared to most other states. It shows that the epidemic is at different stages in different parts of the country. Um, and until we get more tests, it's going to get a really, it's going to be hard to get a handle on exactly what's happening. And right now, those tests are mostly going to people who are most affected by the, the who have showing the most symptoms of the disease, the elderly, the medically fragile people who have very great difficulties in breathing and high fevers. They're not necessarily going to people with, with mild symptoms unless they're they're medical responders. So the numbers tend to be a little bit more skewed there because the tests still aren't widely available. There is progress being made on getting blood tests, on getting more of these um, spit tests and more of these kind of throats, n- nasal and throat swabs out there. But at the moment, um, there's still a, a great deal of difficulty getting those tests. And I wanted to mention too, that Georgia's right in the middle of this this sort of, again, I don't want to use the word debate, but this tension um, between the, the you know reviving resuscitating the economy and 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 placing stringent orders and governor kemp is one of uh, of a handful of governors that have refused to enact more stringent restrictions around the state um, he's kind of trying to, to, to forge a different path rather than ordering a shelter at home and rather than, 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 than banning um, or restricting restaurants to take out only across the state. He's largely left it up to local officials to make those decisions. He's banned many large gatherings, but not all of them. Basically, he said that uh, gatherings with, with more than 10 people are banned unless they can maintain social distancing. It's a pretty big carve out. He's also closed bars and nightclubs, but not restricted restaurants, not banned more all gatherings, and um, not instituted a statewide shelter-in-place order, much to the uh, criticism of state Democrats, of public health officials, and others who are saying he's not going nearly far enough to stop the spread of this disease. Exactly. And that tension was on full display last night during his really mm-hmm. extraordinary town hall that, that he had at 8 p.m. that aired live across six broadcast networks. Very surreal as it is to see these highly competitive TV stations uh, work together on something like this, but also just surreal because he was being interviewed by an anchor from WSB, but he was sitting all the way across the studio because of social distancing. Yeah. Um, but, you know, he, he was asked at several points why he wasn't taking stricter action and and in particular, why he hadn't instituted a shelter in place across the state. And he said, look, I have to govern an entire state um, and that there are still 50 counties, so about a third of counties in Georgia that don't have a confirmed case yet. So he mentioned over and over again how he was trying to balance those needs.
needs. At the same time, he he voiced support for mayors like Keisha Lance Bottoms in Atlanta, who have it who have ordered their own shelter in place or stay at home orders for their populations. That's a, it's a tricky balancing act. He's trying to navigate right here because, um, you know, he, he's a Republican governor who is elected with tremendous support from small town, Georgia, from rural Georgia, um, places that some places have been hard hit, but some places have not yet been hard hit by this disease. And, uh, he's also a believer in personal freedoms and, and liberties. And, He's he's being lobbied pretty hard, I'm sure, by a lot of small business owners who are really worried that knocking them out of commission, I'm talking about in small places where it hasn't been as, as hard hit yet, um, would wipe out, you know, years of economic activity in these in these towns. And he's, he said that to me in an interview. Um, and last and, and at the town hall meeting, he kind of echoed the same thing. He said more than at this point, more than 50 Georgia counties still don't have a single case yet. By the way, I should note that doesn't mean they don't have any cases. And that doesn't mean that they won't that just because they're in more remote areas, they won't. Um, p- part of the problem is the lack of testing. Uh, that we already talked about, and part of the in, in the reality is this: this disease is hitting um, uh, rural areas, uh, you know, and urban areas alike. So it's not like you're, you're you're protected just because you're you're a little bit outside of more congested metro Atlanta. Um, but he did say that more than 50 counties don't have confirmed cases, and he mentioned Jefferson Jeff Davis County in, in rural Georgia. He said it's going to be tough. How do I tell them to shut down? Um, we might be facing a different reality in a few days or weeks um, as, as the disease continues to spread. Um, and he, he might have to reassess that position. He has said multiple times he has more arrows in the quiver. He has more options. He has more tools to, to try to fight the disease. But what public health experts worry about and some politicians is that it'll be too late by then to effectively contain or curb the spread of this disease um, uh, once it does take root in, in, in further flung areas in Georgia. Um, some other bits of news that we saw from the, the town hall last night, several top officials from the Kemp administration, as well as Atlanta Mayor Keisha Lamps Bottoms, were, fla- were fanned out across um, five other television stations as well. Um, so we had Dr. Kathleen Toomey, the Commissioner of Public Health. We had Homer Bryson, the head of the state's emergency management agency, and Insurance and uh, Safety Fire Commissioner John King. Um, and just a, a couple tidbits that were really interesting to us, uh, Mayor Bottoms mentioned that an angel investor had donated a hotel in downtown Atlanta to take care of the homeless population that's particularly vulnerable right now and may need to be isolated or quarantined because of the coronavirus. Um, And she was also asked whether she agreed with Governor Kemp's decision not to do a statewide shelter in place. And she said, look, you know, if, if it were up to me, I would do that. I would have a state." wide stay-at-home order, but it's not my decision. And in general, she was pretty complimentary of, of Governor Kemp. Um, Kathleen Toomey also um, was uh, was answering a couple questions, and, and she mentioned... Um, she mentioned that a, a, an initial shipment of ventilators will be coming in uh, imminently and that she's going to be directing those resources to hotspots like Rome and Albany, um, which has really been at the center of an outbreak. And, and one of their hospitals there has just been scrambling to keep up. Yeah, and Albany has been uh, much source of, of, of the focus of, of our coverage in the state um, the state's response because Albany is becoming um, such a major 
uh, hot spot. It, it has a it has one of the higher proportions of per capita coronavirus cases um, in the in the really in the in the southeast right now. Um, a lot of those a, a big portion of the outbreak is focused on two religious services, two funerals, um, where someone uh, infected a large number of people and um, and, uh, and and it's spread throughout the community. There, um, the hospital system. Phoebe Putney down in Albany is close to being overwhelmed. Um, our AJC colleagues Brad Schrade and Johnny Edwards have a very extensive report uh, online and in Sunday's newspaper about what Albany is faced with right now. Nurses and doctors who feel like, who, who fear they were exposed to the disease are still being told to come into work because the the the. Uh, the, the personnel are so strained right now. There's there's so few people to help. And the administration has even turned to the underground market to try to find life-saving supplies. So they're trying to find masks and ventilators and, and other equipment they desperately need any way they want. And as we're speaking, I just got an email from the governor's office with a little bit more details about the Georgia National Guard contingent that has been sent there. They're, they are um, two teams comprised of 22 members a doctor, physician's assistants, four nurses, 13 military medics, and a medical supply specialist are headed there um, or are already there right now to try to help. Uh, The state is also trying to um, arrange for emergency medical facilities. They're trying to reopen a shuttered hospital, all sorts of extreme emergency procedures there to try to at least contain the spread of coronavirus in Doherty County in Albany, which again is not some, you know, huge metropolis. It shows you that these rural areas or more rural areas are just as susceptible to the spread of the virus as, as, you know, major dense populated areas like Metro Atlanta. Exactly. Um, and a couple other tidbits worth mentioning from the, the town hall yesterday from the governor, you know, Democrats have, have really been, um, doubling down on their request that the governor endorse expanding Medicaid under the Affordable Care Act to cover more uh, low-income people. The the governor, of course, has has rejected that in the past, mentioning it's too costly. He's been seeking a waiver from the federal government to, um, you know, offer more care to a certain segment of that population, but not all of it. And yesterday when he was asked about whether he was more likely to expand Medicaid, the governor kind of sidestepped it and, and mentioned how it was an issue more, you know, for the legislature and how they're obviously out right now and that he's trying his best under the circumstance. Um, another tidbit is that he he seemed to endorse the idea of paid sick leave. Um, and that's been a question that or a debate that's been raging in, in Congress over the last couple of weeks uh, about whether that was prudent. You know, the U.S. has long lagged other countries, particularly in Europe, who've who've made that kind of a standard offering for a lot of employers. And now the question is, if folks are sick, they're, they're kind of forced to go into work if they're low income and, and you know, they, they can't afford to not work. And if they're going to go in and infect all of their colleagues, that's that's not a good outcome. And, and Governor Kemp appeared to endorse it and and pointed to this latest emergency relief package that the U.S. House is expected to pass on Friday today um, that, that would grant two weeks to, to folks. Um, so that was a bit of news as well. Yeah, I thought 
what I was struck with, and of course we were we were filing on a deadline, so it was hard to to kind of do. Just so you, just so our listeners know, because Tamara and me are very well aware of this, but um, our newspaper deadlines for debates and for these late night events is sometimes almost as soon as the event begins. So, like my deadline for an eight p.m. hour long town hall was, I had to get a first version around eight fifteen ish, maybe eight ten ish. So I am scrambling, and so there's not much time to sort of sit back and analyze, but. Um, but after it was all said and done, and I was kind of thinking about it, I was really struck at the contrast between um, Mayor Bottoms and and Governor Kemp. And remember, these two were not necessarily on the, the friendliest of terms during the 2018 election. We wrote a lot of stories about Mayor Reed and Governor Deal's um, friendly, friendly relations, but there was a lot of concerns that Mayor Bottoms and Governor Kemp wouldn't be on such such uh, nice terms, um, especially during the 2018, where they took some 2018 campaign, where they took some shots at each other. Um, but since then, they've, they've become closer allies and, and very respectful of each other. And that's shown through during the town hall, where Mayor Bottoms is very clear that she does not agree with the governor's statewide stance. She said she's, she respects it. Uh, at the same time, as you mentioned earlier, she said, were she in charge, uh, if she was in charge of the whole country, she would order immediately a shelter in place nationwide. That, that's how dire this is. And it's important for us to remember, um, even those of us who have been following every in and out of this, that we still aren't privy to everything that these leading officials are. They're in many more conference calls and many more presentations, and they're getting uh, advice from a range of experts, and they're having to balance that. And this is not making excuses for them, and, and they're just they're they're privy to some 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 probably horrifying, terrifying um, reports, and they've got to they've got to filter out the ones that they think are too extreme, and they've got to ignore the ones they think might be too lax. You know, they're, it's it's a, it's a very delicate balancing act, and obviously, from what Mayor Bottoms is hearing, she thinks there should be much more severe restrictions, and from what Governor Kemp is hearing. He thinks that it still should be up to left to local governments to do so um, and, and put a little more lenient restrictions around the state. But what that's done is there is a patchwork of regulations, some stringent and some not so stringent. You've got some counties with curfews right next door to some counties that have done little, or if, if not anything. You've got some rural counties that are now openly talking, Fannin County in North Georgia is openly talking about restricting in-state travel, not just trying to tell people from Florida or New York not to come, but people within Georgia not to come, where you've got other counties that are saying, come on in, you know, we're still fine. We're still open for business. So what you have in the when there's not more statewide restrictions is you have this hodgepodge of different rules and regulations um, and and the virus doesn't 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 respond to borders <laughs> so that's the tough place public health officials are in and, and and our politicians are in right now exactly and and as you mentioned earlier there is such a huge difference in terms of political philosophies and kind of are you more amenable to having kind of statewide mandates or larger mandates from the government or in general are you trying to to make it more of an individual responsibility kind of collective responsibility decision or, or keep it up to individual businesses to um, to make a lot of these decisions one thing we also haven't mentioned and it still does linger large is the upcoming election right um, 
in general, voters have, especially on the national level, have responded to leaders who they think have have navigated crises well, as George W. Bush, you know, as as what happened to him after 9/11, or even Barack Obama after the uh, the Great Recession in in 2008. Um, and that's going to be high on the minds of a lot of people, especially Donald Trump, um, as we see maneuvering from him. And look, Brian Kemp is not on the ballot this fall. Keisha Lance Bottoms is not on the ballot, but it's certainly something that that folks are starting to think about as more of these restrictions come down. Yeah, and and the the election debate is a major one. And and um, on Friday, uh, DeKalb County CEO Michael Thurman, who who DeKalb is the biggest trove of Democratic votes, is the most Democratic county in Georgia. It went for Clinton by more than eighty percent. Uh, in 2016 and went for, for a- Stacey Abrams by more than 80% um, in 2018. Well, he endorsed the, I- the idea of delaying the, the May primary to June. House Speaker David Ralston has done so as well. So there is a brewing debate about that, about whether whether or not to postpone the election yet again. Um, the, speak- the Secretary of State's office said it would require a change of, of, of leg- it would require legislation to do so, and lawmakers aren't in session right now. Um, so that is yet another giant debate that we'll be watching tomorrow. We've got so much on our plates, <laughs> so and I, I know our listeners do too. This is this is a trying time for for everyone out there, um, and we are we're trying our best to stay on top of it. But there's a lot of news. <laughs> yes, sir. And and look to our, our listeners, keep the tips coming. We're, we're looking for so many angles to cover this and things are changing so quickly. So if you're seeing things in your community that we should be writing about, that could you know be whether a, a park is open, that could be trends you're seeing with your children and their schools and their teachers. It could just be random observations about what's happening in your neighborhood. The AJC is interested in hearing from you. So, so do reach out, do keep us in the loop. Um, this is an evolving story. And at this point, every single person in the newsroom is a coronavirus virus reporter. So we're, we are listening and we hear you and we want to know more. That is a great point, Tamar. And, and I was talking with a couple colleagues from other outlets a few weeks ago. And I, I said something like, we're all coronavirus reporters now. And one of one of my TV colleagues was like, nah, we're not quite there yet. And then a couple of days later, he goes, yeah, you were right. We're all coronavirus reporters now. We have, we're sort of almost on war footing within our newsroom. And what I mean by that is like in a war economy, everything kind of shifts to, to, to the effort. Well, um, our investigative reporters, our lifestyle reporters, our sports reporters, our local government reporters, obviously, political reporters like 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 me and, and, and Jim Galloway and tomorrow you know you, you, when when you left Washington you shifted to to, to a range of different beats well the, all those beats you're still covering but you're doing it with a focus on coronavirus and we're getting a lot of tips every single day and you know even though that me and you might not be writing on every tip we get we are passing them on to the reporters who might so th- that's actually a lot of what we do is is kind of filter out different tips and say okay this would be good for for Willoughby, Willoughby Mariano because she's covering testing and this would be really good for Johnny Edwards because he's looking at the impact of rural Georgia and this would be good for Bill Rankin because he's covering courts and so that's that's a lot of what we're doing right now is trying to find the right person to cover this because you're right we are all coronavirus reporters right now. Well thanks everyone for listening and, and stay safe during these trying times. Thanks Tamar and thank you for joining us. Thank you. That's all for this edition of the Politically Georgia podcast. Visit AJC.com slash politics for all the latest in Georgia news. I'm Greg Bluestein signing off.
Donald Trump has been indicted in Atlanta. We have so many court dockets to follow, but we haven't really seen anything yet. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution has covered every moment of this historic case. I've been writing about this investigation for two and a half years. Our team is led by reporters Bill Rankin and Tamar Hallerman. Follow our coverage on AJC.com and listen to new in-depth episodes of the award-winning podcast, Breakdown, The Trump Indictment, only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Our journalists at the Atlanta Journal-Constitution are working around the clock to keep you updated on all the developments surrounding the Trump indictment. Now the AJC is putting all of our coverage in one place with our new Trump 19 newsletter. Every Wednesday, you'll have our latest coverage and analysis on this historic case in your inbox. So sign up for free today at AJC.com slash indictment newsletter. That's all one word, AJC.com slash indictment newsletter.